welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Thank you. Thank you, Micah. We did a run through before, and he didn't do that part. So. <laughs> it's a new year. The Lord is making all things new. Isn't that good news? It's really good news for our family. <laughs> we, we just came back from Thailand. Uh, we were in Thailand for 20 years, and God did some really cool stuff. We are so thankful. We watched God bless our family and other families, other workers in the area, our school that we were able to be a part of. God blessed Thai people, Burmese people, people from all walks of life, and we were blessed. But what if it was a new year and the Lord wasn't making all things new? We'd be here looking back and going, is it over? <laughs> but he's not. When Jamie says, you know, it's just going to get better, right? It's true. That's the Lord is making all things new. The new year is a time to stop and look back at what God's done. And remember, he's not done yet. He's doing. He is doing. And so one of the things I want to talk about today, and I'm just going to jump straight into the main thing this morning is that discipleship is about what God has done and what God is doing. And this family on mission, for this family on missions, Mark's stories guide us as we are becoming his disciples. I'm thankful for Graydon. Yes, get one of these. He and I have been talking about discipleship and this is one of the things I wanna talk about this morning is this family is becoming disciples. And the, one of the most important things that you can do this year as a disciple is hear the stories of what God has done and what God is doing. Remember those stories of what God has done and don't forget he's making all things new. God's doing something. God is doing something. Um, right, I'm, I'm gonna get in trouble for this because whenever I talk about my, my kids in front of everybody, I get in trouble for it, but... <laughs> Jack, just before I got up, he said to me, Dad, I didn't know Mr. Jamie could play the electric guitar like that. <laughs> Jack loves the guitar. And actually, Jack, Jack knows Mr. Jamie pretty well. Jack, Mr. Jamie has come over to our home in Thailand. He has been in, in our home in Thailand. Not everybody could do that. He, he sacrificed to make that happen. And he spent some time with us. He's been on the streets in Thailand with Jack, eating the street food, the Thai food, in Thailand with us. Jack knows Mr. Jamie. They have this knowledge of what he, they've done in the past. But isn't it cool that he walks in this morning? <laughs> And he sees him up there playing the electric guitar. It's like, oh, wait a minute. There's more. <laughs> Isn't that the Lord? 
the surprises of the Lord. They're so beautiful in our lives. It's not just what he's done 20 years in Thailand. It's that our family is on this journey of seeing what's next. And something's next. I'm telling you, something's next for our family. And it's for your family as well. The Lord is making all things new. These are the stories. And the important stories are those from our lives and from our family's lives. And they're also the stories of Jesus. We want to hear these stories of Jesus new. And the good thing about the stories of Mark is that we can hear them and remember, oh yeah, Mr. Mr. Jamie was in my house. These stories, I've heard them before. Oh, they're awesome, I love them. But it's also, wait, (laughs) what is the deal with this story? There's something new. Not the great thing about the word of God? It's always active. There's always something going on new. Read the stories, listen to the stories, be in the stories. God's doing something. He's done it, and he's doing something new. That's what we're doing today. That's the main thing. Uh, There's this quote from uh, Tish Harrison Warren. I don't know if you know, she was writing for the New York Times for a little while, and she's just done a lot of books. She did a a book on Advent. I really really like her, if you get anything by her. There's some great theology that she writes about, but this is a quote from her. Grace reorients our desires toward God. This is a long, winding, often uncomfortable process. And this reorientation, though always miraculous, comes to us in large part through ordinary, sometimes boring means. The reading and the preaching of the scriptures, praying prayers, gathering with the church, and practicing the sacraments. As our imaginations are immersed in the story of the scriptures, hearing, reading, marking, learning, and inwardly digesting them. Are you digesting the stories? The story of Jesus making all things new becomes the orienting and anchoring story of our lives. We learn to live in hope of a world to come. Jesus is making all things new. This is an anchor for you. You know what an anchor is, right? It holds you fast. It gives you something to stand on. It's an anchor. The stories of what Jesus has done and the stories of what Jesus is doing are an anchor to you. Are you listening? Are you hearing the stories? Are you purposely getting those stories into your life as much as possible? Because God's making all things new. He's doing it. Okay, so I'm just gonna have to apologize right now because in, in, I trick these guys all the time. They, they say, come and preach. I'm like, I'm not a preacher. <laughs> I'm an English teacher. <laughs> If I'm doing anything I love, I'm teaching English, probably to 11th graders. And the only one that can critique me on this in this room is Jack, because he's the only one that actually had me for 11th grade English. Don't ask him, though, because he'll say, okay. Um, Last time I was here, we talked about poetry, right? Talked about psalms and poetry. And now you're like, okay, is he going to do that again? No, this time we're going to talk about stories, right? All right. This is what I love to do. I love to talk about poetry and psalms. Now, I, I do want to mention, when we're doing stories, okay, we, there's all kinds of different things. I'm not gonna teach you or lecture you on all the different ways to do plot or 
characterization or things like that, although I'd like to, I would like to. But I do want to talk about context today. Context is really, really critical to understanding stories, okay? Context, I tell my students, context is where it's at, right? Context is that idea of if you're going to know a story, you really have to know all of the things that have informed that story, that have created that story, that have gone before that story, that are a part of all of the metaphors and ideas in the story. It's so helpful to those stories, right? And when we're reading Mark, I really want to talk about a couple things of context. So first point of context is Mark tells us early on in chapter one, before we get in, we're going to get into the Mark 6 story, which is what I'm really focused on today. But Mark in chapter one, he starts out and he wants to tell you what's going on here. What is going on? So in Mark chapter one, verse 14 and 15, he says this, now, after John was arrested, okay, well, there's some context there. John came in, in the desert, like crying out, prepare the way for the Lord, right? He's coming. And what happened? He was arrested. And there's a shift. There's something new happening. Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. If you will, I believe in Mark, what Mark is trying to say is the whole story, all of Jesus's story is about this. Jesus has come and he's saying, God's kingdom is here. And I love the way he says it. The kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? Is at hand. It's as close as your Hand, it's here. It is here. And what do hands do? They, they do stuff, right? The kingdom of God is at hand. It's doing stuff. It's here with us. Dallas Willard used to say, God's kingdom is the range of his effective will where what he wants done is done. Isn't that good news? When Jesus says the kingdom of God is here, he's saying, God's here, and what God wants to do, he is doing. And there's not anything going to stop it. <laughs> when what God wants to do is going to be done, that's the kingdom of God at hand. Right? That's what Jesus being there is about. Okay, one more point of context before we get into Mark 6, right? In Mark 6, 44... It's the story that leads up to the story that we're about to. What's happened? Mark 6, 44. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. And we know there were women there and there were kids there, all kinds of people there. What's the story before? Jesus has just done what? He's seen these people and the, apostles, the disciples are, are like, Wah we got to send them away. There's too many people here. Well, what are we going to do? They're hungry. And Jesus, it says, he has compassion on them. Hey, well, let's feed them. <laughs> what? That's, right. That's the right reaction. <laughs> You're kidding me. Wait, we're going to do what? No. Wages a day, months, years, wages. No, we never do it. We're going to do it right now. And so he does what? He breaks the bread. He looks up to heaven, and then 
he feeds 5,000 people. That's an important context for our story today, right? If you're sitting there and you have just fed and you've picked up the baskets afterward and you're looking at all the people going, oh man, that was so good. What are you doing? You're amazed. When we got on the plane to come back from Thailand, yeah, there was some amaze. You're like, what just happened, right? That's nothing compared to these people just got fed, 5,000 of them. And we know disciples, there, there, it wasn't, they, there was some loaves and some fish. How did that happen? Context, yeah. right? That's good news. All right, got it? We're, got it? we're working with the context. We've got a couple things going on. The kingdom of God is at hand, and 5,000 people got fed. Now, the story in Mark 6. So everybody stand up. We're going to have a standing for the reading of the word. I like this tradition that we have in uh, just honoring the Lord and his, his words. Okay, Mark 1, 14 through 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. I'm sorry. I need to go down. Now, into 645, sorry. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida. When he dismissed the crowd and after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. And about the fourth Watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can sit down. Is anybody a little bit, when I stop there, it does something to you, doesn't it? (laughs) You want me to keep reading, don't you? Wait a second. You meant to pass by them? He's seen them. He was up there. He saw them straining, right? They're straining at the oars. And you understand, I mean, you've been working hard on something. You're like, Jesus, what is up? What's going on? Right? And maybe you're not even dealing with a situation where you actually might drown, right? You might die, They're straining at the oars. They don't know what's going to happen. Jesus has already dismissed them. He's praying. He sees them. And he goes out on the water. And he means to pass by them. What's that about? Wait, no, didn't you mean it that you you were going to, you were going to go up and give him a big hug and say, it's okay, guys, we're going to do this he meant that's not what he meant I don't know I think this is something that I'm I'm wrestling with it a little bit but context is where it's at right I think there's some more context let's go to Exodus Exodus 33 have you ever thought about where is what does this deal with pass by does that happen other places Exodus 33. And he said to them, what is this? 
This is Moses. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. Moses was frustrated with his people. He's talking to God in Exodus. God is saying, I'm done with these people. I'm gonna just make a new people. <sighs> and God, Moses is like, I don't know what's gonna happen here. He says, if your presence does not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, ah, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, Moses, and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you. And will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock and while my glory passes by, but I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. He meant to pass by. And I think Moses said, yeah, <laughs> do that. Let me see your glory, Lord. Can I see your glory, Lord? Pass before me, Lord. Just do whatever you're planning on doing, Lord, and just let me see it, Lord. I don't care what you're doing. I just want to be front row. <laughs> Can I be there? Can I see it, Lord? Pass by, do it, yes. And make sure and protect me while you're doing it because I know I am human. I can't handle this, Lord. He meant to pass by him. That's some good context, huh? That's not the only context. Let's go to Kings, 1 Kings 19, 2 through 4. Now Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Oh, now we're going to Elijah. Remember the Elijah story, right? The Baal prophets and the Elijah over here and put the water on the altar, pour it, drown it. And the Baal prophets are like, oh, God. Nothing happens, nothing happens, right? Elijah does what? Lord, do your work. Fire. And then they kill all the Baal prophets. Well, okay. <laughs> so... This is, sorry, this is coming right after that. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and now he had killed, how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Jezebel's not too happy about that. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. She's an angry woman. <laughs> then he was afraid. 
And he rose and he ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough. Now, Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And behold, Elijah's in a rough spot. And you and I would be going, look what he just did. Look at the Lord just did. Ah, Elijah is feeling what we feel. We know the story. We know what God's done. And yet those feelings are real when they're right there with us. I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and those thoughts are going. They're real. I'm done. I might as well die. I mean, I can relate to Elijah here a little bit. And behold, the word of the Lord came to Elijah and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? (laughs) If, if, If the Lord ever asks you what you're doing here, It's time to listen, respond, okay? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Don't you see how much problems are going on? And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord and behold the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke to pieces the rock before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord is not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He meant to pass by. (laughs) Elijah the wind, the fire, and then the Lord in his voice. I promise you, Elijah was pretty excited about the Lord's passing at that moment. Now, let's get back to Mark. Okay, he meant to pass by them. That's where we were. Yep, he meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, (laughs) they thought it was a ghost. And cried out, for they all saw him and they were terrified. I'm a, I'm a little bit, being in Thailand for 20 years has helped me a little bit with this thought about the ghost, right? I mean, you're like, we're Americans. We don't believe in ghosts. What? I mean, we're like products of enlightenment. Like, ghosts aren't real. Like, don't be scared of ghosts, kids. Go to sleep, right? In Thailand, the house next door to our house has a little spirit house. You put food on the spirit house. Why? Because you believe in ghosts. 
And those ghosts have power. And if you don't make them happy, they're gonna do something bad to you. I think this is a little bit more of the reality of their world at that time. They really recognized the wind and the waves were something going on here. And it's gotta be something. What is it? Oh, now that if there's a ghost, that's what it is. It's Jesus. <laughs> they missed it. What made them miss it? Their fear. Oh, Lord, don't let my fear make me miss you, Lord Jesus. Do not be afraid. I'm sorry. But immediately he spoke to them and he said, take heart. It's I. You should already know this, but <laughs> we just did the loaves. Take heart, it's me. I'm the guy who just did the loaves. I've been taking care of ghosts all throughout chapters one, two, three, four, and five, delivering them. You've seen them go away. I'm not a ghost. It's me, I'm walking. I am, I am making water different right now because I wanna walk on it. And I can do that. Don't be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. He meant to pass by. What did he do? He got in the boat. <laughs> this is another thing. I, wait, he meant to. That means he changed his mind. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. I really don't. Except for say. Thank you, Jesus, that your ways are higher than my ways. You knew, oh, I was gonna pass by, but you knew I needed you to get in the boat right now. And you are gracious enough. You are kind enough that when I, I just need you, I, can't, I don't need you to pass by even though it probably would be better. I just need you to get in the boat. Your plans, Lord Jesus, should be higher than my, but you know what? Sometimes the Lord goes ahead and he does what you're needing, <sighs> even though it wasn't his plans. <laughs> there's some grace in that somewhere. Ah, <laughs> oh, when he gets in the boat, I'm just at awe. <laughs> but here at the end of Mark, it's a little bit of hardness for our, our disciples because I think Mark's giving a little bit of a, some input, some critique of the disciples, which they get critiqued all along the way. And Mark, if you're reading Mark well, you're gonna realize, oh, the disciples are kind of like me. They kind of mess up a lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thankful for the disciples. <laughs> and they were utterly astounded. That was the reaction we were going for when we passed by to get that astoundedness. It's okay, you got in the boat, you got astounded. Well, that was good. That's good. Because you were supposed to be utterly astounded throughout the whole process. You got there good, hallelujah. Why were they utterly astounded? <laughs> because they did not understand about the loaves. But their hearts were hardened. 
Oh, that, if that's some heaviness that sits on you right now, it should be. Sin is a heart problem. David would say so. David's a shepherd, sheep, and God makes him king. He does great and crazy things. Builds some cities and uh, his house and all these other things. And then what does he do? Oh, I think I'll hang out with Bathsheba and then kill her husband. Sin is a heart problem. Even David, king who's seen it all, still a hard heart. What do we do with our heart problems? God, help us. When I am missing it about what Jesus did or about what Jesus is doing, the problem is my heart. How do I receive a soft heart? This year, you're reading the stories so God will soften your heart and give you a new heart and show you he's making all things new. That's what being a disciple is about. We talk about all these different things that being a disciple is, right? Do these questions, do these other things, and those are all great, good. What's the real thing? God, soften my heart. Let me hear your story again. (laughs) Make things new in my heart again. Give us a soft heart. Ezekiel says it well, and I will give you a new heart. He alone can do it. He knew he he was the one to do it. That's why Jesus is here at hand. And he will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Thanks, God. Thanks, Jesus. Make my heart soft this year. God's making all things new, including your heart. Maybe that's the best news. Maybe that is the good news for you this year. Is last year, things got really hard. It was, I was straining at the oars a lot. I got scared. I didn't know what to do. I was fearful. I I walked in fear always. You know what? He wants to soften your heart and make things new. One of the ways you can do it is hear the stories again. Hear the stories. Just hear them. Put them on in your car. Listen to them on the radio. Listen to them in the morning. You know, the Israelites wrote them on their hand and on their doorpost, right? Stories, hear the stories again. Ask God, soften my heart. Let me hear the story. If you're feeling like, oh, I heard these stories all before. Ooh, (laughs) God, soften my heart. Let me hear them again. This is what we're doing, Lord. Okay, everybody stand up. I wanna have a call to prayer that might help us with this, okay? So if you're on the worship team, come on up. And uh, prayer team, would you please come up as well? Because we're gonna, um, if, if you need prayer for anything, this is a great day to do it. <laughs> Whether it's fear or straining or other things like that. Or if you need healing, if you need anything, this is an opportunity to get prayer and these people wanna pray for you. But I do have some specific things now, three, three specific things from this story that I want us to kind of focus on. So are we, as we're becoming disciples, all of us need God's help to understand about the loaves. <laughs> what has he done? And what is he doing, right? 
Where are you in this story today? This is the question I'm asking you, okay? I, I want you to kind of close your eyes. And, well, you might want to see the prayers on the wall, so don't close your eyes, but change my mind there. But just let the Lord show you some things, okay? Some of us are making headway. There's three of us, three, three different prayers I'd like to pray today. And just ask the Lord where you are in the story, okay? What's going on with me today? What you want me to hear from this story? Some of us are making headway painfully, with the wind against us, you are straining at the oars. Or in Elijah's case, you're feeling like it's enough, right? You're done. We need Jesus to see us and come walking to us on that rough sea. So here's a prayer for us. Lord, I'm straining at the oars. I need you to see the storm and my straining and come to me. Lord, what do you want me to hear from this story to soften my heart? Some of us are terrified. Fear is controlling us. Some area of life, we need Jesus to tell us, take heart, it's I, don't be afraid. And we need Jesus to get into the boat with us. It may be something going on in your family. maybe something going on with your kids. You know, Americans, right? We aren't scared of ghosts, but we're scared of our 401k falling. There's some fear there. Here's a prayer for us. Lord, I'm terrified. Lord, I've misunderstood you, and this has led to fear. Lord, I need you to show me who you really are and get in the boat with me. Lord, what do you want me to hear from this story to soften my heart? And the third, for some of us, the stories have made our hearts ready for the Lord to pass by. With Moses, we're asking the Lord, please show me your glory. Lord, make your goodness pass before me. We're longing for Jesus to pass by on the waters. I don't want to... I don't want to expect that there's not some people here who are hungry and ready and this word to you is stirring something and saying, I, I've, I've, I haven't asked for this yet. I haven't asked you to pass by in front of me and show me your glory. Ask today. Ask him to pass you by and show it. Right? Do it however you want, Lord. This is a great prayer for you. Lord, please show me your glory. Let your goodness pass before me. Lord, I want to see you for who you really are. Lord, what do you want me to hear from this story to soften my heart? If you need prayer of any kind right now, come. If the Lord's stirring in one of these places in the story, come. Have somebody pray for you. Let the Lord show you what he has done and what he is doing. He's making all things new. The Lord wants to soften your heart today.